This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Hi there. Welcome to Connecting Disability on AMI-audio. I'm Megan Gilmore, and I'm really glad to spend this time with you today. It's been almost two months since Russia invaded Ukraine, and I know all the news can be pretty overwhelming. So I hope this episode helps you process that information and remind us of the human cost and experience of war. Today, we're speaking to Tanya Harasimova. She is the project manager of Fight for Right, a Ukrainian organization that helps Ukrainians with disabilities achieve their human rights. And obviously, their work looks a little different right now. Tanya spoke with me about how war is impacting Ukrainians with disabilities and also what the refugee experience is like. I'm really grateful for this conversation, and I'm really glad that we get to bring this to you. Tanya, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Hi, Megan. Thank you for the invitation. I want to just start by asking you a little bit about how you got involved with disability advocacy at the very beginning. Oh, you know, it's a long story. (laughs) In 2018, uh, I was a participant of the project of Fight for Right organization. This is School of Political Participation for Girls and Women with Disabilities Liderka. And on this project, I received uh, knowledge about uh, uh, political rights, about activism, about human rights. And after the final competition in the project framework, I received an opportunity of an internship in the Central Election Commission of Ukraine. And after the internship, the Fight for Right team invited me to join to the team. And um, since that started my work uh, as human rights activist. And for people who aren't familiar with Fight for Rights, I was just wondering, like, in general, what have been or what are some of the struggles that Ukrainians with disabilities face on a day-to-day basis in wartime and in peacetime? Yeah, that a lot of difficulties, uh, a lot of needs. And our organization worked with political and cultural rights before the war. And uh, we tried to fix the gaps in legislation to raise awareness of the state authorities. Uh, there was a lot of work in these areas. And also we had uh, successful cases of changes in uh, legislation and in our partnership with some state actors, we we had a lot of project for uh, for people uh, like uh, we we did accessible cinema for blind and deaf people, and also we it's our cultural project. Also, we had a lot of project uh, about political participation. So we had a project uh, where we uh, made uh, accessible election process and also we had a big uh, media campaign and uh, I coordinated this media campaign to involve 
people with disability in election process and to, I don't know, inspire them to go on election. Listening to you describe your work, it sounds like you are fighting for many things that I know uh, disabled people here in Canada are fighting and elsewhere uh, throughout the world, whether that's you know access to entertainment and cultural events or being involved in the political process. And, you know, in, in that way, it sounds like you're just like any other disability rights organization uh, anywhere right now. But obviously, the reason why we're talking to you um, is uh, now close to two months ago, Russia invaded Ukraine. And we're, uh, we just wanted to hear how it's impacting Ukrainians with disabilities. So first, um, as we move on to that first, I just wanted to say I'm so sorry um, for what's been happening. Um, but if you could just tell us a bit, like from your perspective, living in Ukraine, what was it like in in the lead up to the invasion and, and then in the first days after Russia invaded? In the morning of February 24, my mom woke me up and said, uh, Russia attacked us. Uh, after that, I tried to make a plan or to find in my head one of my plans, which I prepared before, uh, because I use in wheelchair and I need to have a plan. Um, but all my plans always I- indeed on the doorstep of the apartment um, before the stairs because I live on the fourth floor and do not have an elevator in the building. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I decided that what I really need to do is uh, leave the country. And I told my mom, uh, go to the train station to buy a ticket to leave. And uh, after that, I just cleaned the apartment and... Uh, my mother and I, uh, later in that day, we went to spend the night with my aunt who live in a private house. And the next day we went to Lviv and then to Poland. It sounds like for you, the decision to leave happened fairly quickly. Did you face any accessibility barriers in transportation getting out of the country? Of course, because uh, it's uh, our trains, it's not accessible. And uh, people helped me to enter to the train. And uh, also, uh, I had this problem uh, since I go out my apartment because it's uh, a lot of stairs, uh, some barriers on my way uh, to train station. Um, etc. Yeah, and um, this is even a, a lot of stairs on on the border. Uh, so, uh, yeah, for people with disability, it's uh, really more difficult to to be evacuated. How long did it take for you to leave? So, from the time that the invasion began to when you were able to leave Ukraine, how how long was that? Uh, you know, couple days ago, I. Uh, looked in my passport uh, that I crossed the border in February 27. Mm-hmm. So it took uh, three days. Wow. Okay. And obviously you were able to leave. I'm assuming that, that is not the case for every disabled Ukrainian. 
So how has the invasion changed the work that your organization is doing? The invasion changed our work totally. Uh, since the beginning of the work, the Fight for Right NGO uh, has managed to create an international initiative, uh, emergency response for Ukrainians with disabilities, to help Ukrainians with disabilities, with evacuation, with some everyday needs, uh, some humanitarian needs. And the Fight for Right united um, efforts with the Partnership for Inclusive Disaster Strategies and uh, the World of Institute on Disability. And also we have our uh, Ukrainian partners, Social Action Center and Human Rights Vector and uh, Sapega Foundation. Uh, this is foundation founded by Ukrainian deaf activists to support deaf women and children in war. And we're working together to evacuate people, to provide direct support. And we also created working mechanism to support and evacuate people with disabilities during the war. What are some of the biggest needs of people with disabilities right now in Ukraine? The biggest needs is to survive. And uh, yeah, some people decided to stay in Ukraine and... They need uh, some humanitarian helps uh, with food, with water, with uh, gigian products, etc. And also people need uh, help with evacuation because they need uh, special transportation. Some of them need, uh, need to be transported by ambulance. And this is really hard Task because all efforts of medical um, institution are uh, focused on on war task, uh, and now we try to find some private ambulances who can provide uh, help to us with evacuation. And uh, this is hard, but we doing our best to help people. I've been reading some reports that talked about the difficulty of Ukrainians with, with disabilities, particularly mobility disabilities, to access like bomb shelters and different places of protection. Is that something that, that you've been hearing about from, from the people that you know? Absolutely. It's like uh, 19% uh, of bomb shelters are not accessible. And this was the main point why I decided to leave country uh, because there are not uh, any possibility to be safe there. People trying to go to basement in private houses, it's uh, also not uh, always accessible and it's not always uh, safe. But yeah, pe people trying to find any shelters but it, it's problem not only in Ukraine, you know, uh, I asked some, some journalist on interview if uh, in different countries, if their uh, bomb shelters are accessible. And uh, all journalists who had disabilities uh, say that not, we haven't accessible bomb shelters. And this is horrible because all of us don't 
want to live in war, but uh, we we need to have some plan and we need to have some possibility to stay safe if uh, the invasion could possible. I know for me, as I've been reading about Ukrainians with disabilities, that's really stood out to me is you know, so often we talk about the importance of having built environments that are accessible for people uh, who use wheelchairs or have other disabilities that impact their mobility. And I think this situation in the worst way possible has shown people why that's so important. This isn't just a nice thing to do to make a place accessible. It's literally the difference between life and death in a conflict situation like this. Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, needed to be some alternative uh, system of alarming, uh, of sirens. We need to think about all these issues. Now we as Ukrainian people uh, know that um, it's most important things because it's about people's life. What are some of the practical ways then that you've been able to hear that Ukrainians with disabilities have been receiving help right now? You've mentioned trying to get private ambulances. Have there been other uh, projects and initiatives that have been working? Yeah, um, you know, even now the most of efforts to provide some humanitarian help to people with disabilities, it's uh, volunteer efforts because I don't know why, but uh, all mechanism of humanitarian work is doesn't work because or work not so effectively because uh, it's still a problem. Uh, people have no basic things like food, water, and some some who need uh, medical equipment or assistive technology. They just have no people who to ask, and they uh, have to have contact of some friends or uh, know some organization and people trying to help people. Uh, but, you know, even our organization, how many people can we save and how many people we can provide some support? It's um, 10, 15, 100, but it's 2.7 million people with disabilities in Ukraine. It's a statistic before the invasion. Uh, but it's a lot of people and we're not able to do all ourselves. So we need to change the politics of humanitarian organization on uh, international level. I'm just wondering, can you just walk me through what a, a typical day is like for you now? My typical days, it's a wake up to to have my breakfast and to go to office. Uh, now, thanks to our friends, uh, we have an office and uh, I'm here uh, with my part of my team uh, and we working together in an office and this is a really great possibility and this is making our work more effectively uh, and uh, let us to feel better because we are not alone here. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of messages, a lot of uh, phone calls, some meetings, and uh, 
when I able to go to go to my home, temporary home, uh, I just trying to look around and to say uh, myself that. Uh, Look, you in beautiful place. Uh, you, this is spring. This is a lot of flowers, and just trying to uh, to notice these uh, simple things because we continue to live there in Ukraine, and we watch news, we read news, uh, and it, it's hard uh, sometimes to to let yourself. Uh, to live and to do something uh, except work. So as we're speaking today, right now it's uh, getting close to noon where I am in Ontario. Uh, where you are, it's uh, it's evening time. It's getting close to, to 6 p.m. So what, what have been some of the simple things today that have brought you joy or uh, reminded you that yeah, there are still good moments in in the world right now, even though your life is consumed by by this war. You know, I'm in in Scandinavian country, and this is pretty cold. <laughs> and, and today morning, uh, not morning, uh, I think it was lunchtime, and uh, I go to home from from office, and I noticed that I forgot my hat. And uh, I recognized that spring is coming even there. And uh, mm. it was like a, a little happy, a lot of sun uh, and not so cold like all these days. Years ago, I lived in, in Canada's north. So in, in the Yukon Territory, uh, which is next to Alaska. But Yukon, like Yukon athletes would participate in Arctic Games with uh, athletes from other Nordic countries. So And so there's some similarities in, in culture there. And I, I was there for a winter, and I remember the first time that I started to sweat uh, in, in the spring, and I was so excited because I was like, oh, like, I could still sweat. Like, this is a thing. There is warmth. You mentioned your mother earlier on in this conversation. I'm just curious, um, how is she doing? Uh, she doing okay. She here with me, and uh, I'm happy about it very much because uh, my mom also have a disability and she using crutches and uh, when people said me uh, why you leave your country before your city were attacked i can't imagine how we boss uh, would be able to go after the uh, attacked in a mass evacuation when people uh, started panic uh, so i'm happy that we uh, we was able to do it ourselves and to do it in time what are the challenges that people with disabilities face when they're when they're leaving a, a war zone and then potentially living as refugees elsewhere um what are some of the accessibility barriers that people face in that part uh, you know, in um, Europe, the accessibility, physical accessibility, it's not uh, a first issue because it's uh, more accessible than in Ukraine. And a lot of people I know, and me personally, I was uh, really excited about uh, accessible transportation, accessible, uh, some accessible places, uh, housing. But the first barrier, it's uh, 
language and also for a lot of people this journey was first in life people never uh never traveled abroad before the invasion and it's hard to be in another country with another cultural with another language and a lot of people didn't know even basic english uh, and uh, they trying to communicate with google translation or some other applications uh, but it's hard because of different issues because of different types of disabilities and i know that a biggest problem for people who use in sign language because it's uh, it's really hard and uh, deaf volunteers who live in abroad trying to help them and really i i want uh, to ask people to be more patient and to help people when you see that people not able to talk on your language because it's really stressful for for them and a lot of people need help with it and i i know that a lot of people started to learn languages but it's uh, a long process uh, so yes it's it's an issue and also when we left our country we thought that it's a week or two weeks but now we faced uh, the difficulties that it's a second month uh, and um, not all people agreeing to provide their houses and we now have uh, difficulties with housing for people who live in like a month abroad and we trying to help them to find another one and yes this i think it's biggest problem to find a housing for all people but for uh, people with disability especially what are your hopes for yourself like what 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 do you want to happen i want to back home this is the only uh, only our hopes of all of us because um, this is the only thing we think about we want to end this war and uh, to back home because you know um, the most of people have nothing outside of ukraine and me too and i want uh, to back my life where i have everything where i have my everyday routine uh, where i had my friends my relatives and yeah this is the only wish for many people in the world right now we just see scenes of war in ukraine yeah for you what else would you like to tell the world about your country you know i seen a lot of russian propagandas about neo nazis uh, in ukraine about that we doing uh, it's a civil war between ukrainians and ukrainians this is not true and uh, i want to attract or attention to to russian propaganda and just not share it and not believe it and uh, 
just try and to find some truth, some information from first uh, uh, f- from first persons, um, because it's a horrible. Because uh, now all people feeling destroyed, uh, all refugees here abroad, and uh, we left our country not because uh, of of some uh, issues inside the country. Uh, Russian just invade us and now uh, they want to be uh, to be clear. I don't know. Uh, and uh, it, it's horrible. And I want to ask all people to uh, to help Ukrainians to stand with, with us and to to say about us, to say truth, because it's uh, happened Ukrainian genocide in Bucha, in Irpin, in Borodyanka. And this is horrible to see such, uh, such crimes in 21st century. It's horrible and we living with with this pain and uh, we just need your support and that all people around the world to see the truth. What are some of the best ways that those of us who don't live in Ukraine can help Ukrainians right now? To support organization who helped people, to support us on informational area, to speak with Ukrainians like you do, and thank you for that. And to continue um, to to speak about Ukraine and to uh, show um, news about us, to share information. How do you think... Uh, people in host countries can best welcome and support re- refugees with disabilities who they may be coming into contact with. I think that uh, country already doing their best, and we really appreciate it because all countries welcomed us and. Uh, supported us and I know as refugee how many people trying to support us with any issues with to provide some help with translation to provide some help with documents and um, keep on Um, we really appreciate it and we really need it and we just I don't know to need uh, to be understand in different ways, no, just communicate. But, um, you know, a, a lot of people who flee from countries in stress and uh, we need uh, just your help and understanding and uh, a- any any help will be will be useful now and we we really thank you for that. What are some of the biggest things you've learned so far through these last few months? Uh, that only people can save the people. And because no one except us not come and not help us. No our states, no governments or some peoples. Uh, just every single people can do uh, really a lot of things to save lives and I never 
couldn't imagine that I will work to save lives because I'm not even a doctor and I not even uh, wish about it. But now every people is able to save another people. Hmm. You know, Tony, one of the things I always ask people on the show, I ask, I ask them two things. I ask them what are some of the most isolating parts of having a disability for them. And I feel like you've done a great job of explaining uh, to us what that looks like in this situation. But the other part of that question, and you touched on it in your answer there, is what has meaningful connection looked like for you? So you mentioned how you've learned how people can help save the lives of, of other people. Do you have any stories that you'd like to share with people about how you've seen that? when people try to understand people to help with someone and you know uh, when people in different countries united to support some people which they uh, didn't know before and there was such help for me because uh, when I left Poland and trying to go to Denmark uh, a lot of people which I never seen before helped me. I don't know, it's so supportive and it's uh, like a magic and this show us to uh, unity of people. And I think as for community of people with disabilities, we never were such united like now. And uh, all our efforts uh, is possible Thanks for GoFundMe uh, funds and a lot of people with disability donated us and they sent like some money and writing so touched messages that I'm mom, a little girl with disability and I want to support people in Ukraine. And this is uh, amazing. Uh, so this is a good connection, I think. So before you go, I was wondering if you could uh, maybe help me uh, learn Ukrainian. So I have some friends, I have some classmates who are who are Ukrainian, and they're watching their families uh, back home uh, very closely the last few months. How would I say thanks for speaking to me today in Ukrainian? Дякую. Дякую. Що? Що? Поговорили. Поговорили. Зі мною. Зі мною. Сьогодні. Сьогодні. Perfect. Well, not really, but I am glad that we got to meet you. I am sorry that is that is under these circumstances. And I'm uh, looking forward to talking with you again when you are back home and the stories that we will be able to hear about how this awful experience, how you've been able to use that and advance the human rights causes that you've been working on uh, for so long. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is the best wish uh, from all past months. Thank you. Thank you. Connecting Disability is a production of AMI-audio. It's written and produced by me, Megan Gilmore, with technical production by Nizreen Abdel-Majid. Andy Frank is the manager of AMI-audio. Special thanks to our guest, Tanya Harasimova. Professor Sarah Phillips at Indiana University and my former classmate Jack Baines helped with research for this episode. 
When I lived in Toronto, I volunteered at a summer camp where many refugee children would attend. And this episode is for all of them. Uh, Thank you for your games and your smiles and all those summers. And I really hope uh, I get to see you again soon. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We'll connect next time. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.